Well, today and over these weeks, we're talking about a remarkable reality. Uh, not necessarily one that is easily believed by everyone, but remarkable nonetheless. And that is that God speaks into our lives. That he puts his thoughts into our minds. And it is for us to determine which thoughts are our own and which thoughts are his. Now, as I say, some people really struggle with this and might think, isn't it just crazy people who think that God speaks to them? People who sometimes hear God saying things they believe so that they then go and do disturbing and even violent things? Well, unfortunately, that is true. But the Bible is absolutely clear as well that God is a highly relational God who is constantly speaking, communicating to us, we who are his people. I've got a quote for you, and I want you to tell me if you can guess who actually uh, first said this. I'm thinking that's unlikely, but I'll tell you in a minute. The quote is this. Why is it that when we speak to God, we are said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we are said to be schizophrenic? Now, who do you think said that? Well, believe it or not, it's Lily Tomlin, the comedian. But she's, she's got a point. There's a lot in those few words. The reality is, my friends, the, the, the message is that in the kingdom of God, it's normal and it's good for us to hear the shepherd speak, we the sheep, so that we know his voice and so that we can follow after him. We spoke last week about that from John chapter 10. This is what we're headed toward. This is what we need to know. So the reality that I want to bring you to today is, is, is about the why. Why is it so important that as believers we learn to distinguish and discern the voice of God? The principle we're going to build on for this service is very simply this, that the word of God, the voice, is a powerful and creative force which can have a powerful and creative impact in our lives, in your life and in mine. I'm going to go, first of all, to Genesis uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, and then in a minute, verse 6. But this is, this is the first instance where we, we see this creative power in the voice of God. Genesis 1.1 says this, In the beginning, God created the heaven, heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, note it, Let there be light. And there was light. The creative power of God expressed in his voice. Go to verse 6. Another expression of the same. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. And so it was. You see, the reality in these verses is that over and over again, six times actually in this chapter, God speaks and from nothing he speaks everything into existence the creative power of his voice. Not only that, <laughs> when we go to, to, the, to a passage in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, remarkably, the text speaks how God, by his voice, sustains all that is. It says this, The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. And we've got to take note of that. All that exists is sustained by the word of God, the voice of Christ. Remarkable. But the reality is that when God speaks, he is present in his words. This is the rationale behind what I've described to you. He is present and he is active 
in his voice. And that's exactly what happens when he speaks into our lives. God present, God creating, God exercising his power, God exercising his authority by speaking in order to achieve his purposes. Now, I want to take you to a story in the New Testament, which I think just beautifully illustrates the points that I'm making to you today. It's the story of the centurion as he approaches Jesus that his servant might be healed. So let me read that story to you. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, and what follows to verse 10. It says this. When Jesus had en- entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go when he goes, and that one, come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now, my friends, Jesus is incredibly impressed by this man and by his faith. He's incredibly impressed by him because of what the centurion understood. And what he understood was this. It is power and authority which is exercised by the spoken word. He was a soldier. He was a a military officer. He spoke, and his authority went with the word. And his soldiers would do what he told them to do. It's the spoken word that carries the authority of the one who speaks them. The greater the authority of the person, the greater the authority of the voice, the greater the power that is exercised in the speaking of his or her voice. So in this instance, and because of this, he believes that Jesus didn't need to come to to the servant to heal him. He just wanted Jesus to speak the authoritative, powerful word that would be required for the servant to be healed. Remarkable, the understanding that he had. And I want to tell you, when God speaks to you and to me, when the voice comes to us, it is his creative power being given into our lives. And I want to ask today, who wants that? Who would love to experience that? Not only the hearing of the voice, but the powerful effect of the voice in us and in us to the world. Now, I'm going to speak to you this morning about how this happens and give you several points and examples of it. The first one is that it is through the voice of God that people are saved from their sin and saved to God. The creative power of God comes as the Spirit works, as the Spirit speaks, and he creates new life in people. He moves them from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. He brings them to life spiritually by his voice. Think of Saul of Tarsus, that man who on the road to Damascus met Christ. You know, he was a Christ hater. He was a religious zealot. He was a persecutor, a violent man of Christian people. And he was spiritually blind to what God was doing. Right in front of him. God doing amazing things and he didn't know it. But what did Jesus do to save Saul? I want to tell you, my friends, what Jesus did was to speak to him. And through those words, 
the creative power of God was exercised. And Saul was led to faith. He was enabled to see all of a sudden what God was doing. And he entered in literally to a conversation with Jesus which would last the rest of his life. I want to say this. If you have been saved, if you've come to that place of believing in Jesus and confessing your sin and inviting Christ to be the Lord of your life, really believing in him, it is because God has spoken to you somehow, some way enabling you to see and understand your need and the power of the cross and the significance of Jesus' death and resurrection for you and even to understand an invitation to be in a relationship with God. It comes by the creative power of God as he speaks. Let me read to you 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. It says this, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. It's an amazing thing that God comes to us in his creative power and he makes us new. God works in us in this way by speaking into our lives. Another thing that God does is, and, and what the voice does, the voice has power to heal and deliver us in many ways. Don't need to go any farther than this story that I've read to you from Matthew about the, the healing of the, um, the servant of the centurion. Let me read to you Matthew 8, verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And the, his servant was healed at that moment. The moment Jesus spoke, the servant was healed. Do you see it? Jesus can bring healing into our life by exercising his power through his voice. I want to suggest, too, he, he brings us incredible deliverance. Psalm 107, verses uh, 17 to 20. Great, great text. It says this. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. I want to ask you, I want to ask you, how is it today that you need God to send out his word to you, to rescue you, to deliver you in your life at this point? There is power in the voice of God because there is the authority of God in his voice. And he will speak, and if he speaks, healing and deliverance will come. You know, I'm telling you this because it is so important that we learn to recognize this voice. We need to know what the voice of the shepherd sounds like so that we can follow after him, so that we can encounter him, but so also we can experience his power at work within us. You know, we can hear it on a Sunday morning in preaching. We can hear it in worship in various ways. We can hear the still, small voice whispered quietly into our lives. But there are so many people that don't recognize the voice, who don't hear the voice, who don't know the voice exists. And they never experience that creative power of God. Well, as God saves and as God heals and delivers, so also through his voice, we are empowered to resist temptation temptation of sin if i had to ask each of you listening today 
what your greatest temptation is. My guess is, assuming that you're in a relationship with Christ and you're sincerely seeking to honor him with your life and to, you know, you're striving toward holiness, my sense is that you would know the answer to that question. The reality is that Jesus in his wilderness experience knew temptation. Satan tempted him to fall into sin when he was weak and tired and hungry. That's how Satan comes to us when we're weakened physically or mentally or spiritually or emotionally. Somehow that's when he comes in greatest force and he seeks to tempt us to do what is wrong and often we fail. Often we do sin, don't we? I want to tell you the times we fail most often are because we lack the powerful voice of God at work in our lives. I want to read to you Psalm 119, verse 11. This whole psalm actually is about uh, the word of God. But verse 11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And you know, that's the, that's the reality. The, the uh, ESV says we store up your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. And you know, this is what happened in Jesus' experience. He, he had been on his own for these 40 days of fasting and prayer and he had the word of God in his mind and when Satan tempted him three times, he responded each time with that word, that power, life-giving word of, of God. And he was able to resist temptation. My friends, why would we ever think we can resist temptation without doing exactly the same thing? Without having the voice of God empowering us, without having the word of God, scripture, stored up within us, in in our experience, having that word in our hearts. The reality is, if we will seek this out, if we will learn to recognize the voice, if we will understand when God is speaking to us through scripture primarily, but otherwise as well, we will come to that place in our lives where we will be empowered to resist sin in a way that we never could otherwise. I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, an experience I've had of voice-oriented empowerment. It's a bit of a risk because anytime I tell you about how God has empowered me to resist temptation and, if you would, move beyond it. Um, Well, I recognize that it might not always be the case. I'm human and I could fail again. And Satan is evil, powerful, Um, and that needs to be contended with. But at least at the moment, this is what the voice has done for me. I was reading John chapter 5. Jesus uh, goes to Jerusalem into the pool of Bethsaida. There's a multitude of people, the text says, Uh, at this pool wanting to be healed. Their only hope, so they think, is that when the water stirs, they believe an angel stirred the water and the first person into the water would be healed. Uh, But they don't have a lot of hope. There's so many of them. Those people are are there and and, and they're paralyzed and they're lame and they're blind. And, And I thought to myself as I reflected on this passage for days, just how I do it, I would encourage you to do the same, I said, you know, there is the brokenness of humanity. That's the condition of all humanity, myself included. We're broken somehow, and we're without hope to find healing. Well, one man is identified by Jesus who had been there for 38 years. Uh, Literally, in this day, he had this condition, at least for a lifetime. 
And I thought to myself with my condition of, I've mentioned it before, ungodly eating, I've struggled with this for 61 years. And the reality is that in, in, in this story, um, I'm, I was reminded, you know, you, you don't treat this temple of the Holy Spirit very well, Chris, as I'm supposed to. And I was reminded that sometimes food is in control of me rather than me being in control of food. The temptation can be very real, and I'm left historically too often unable to say no. Well, Jesus asks this man an odd question, and the question was, do you want to be healed? It is odd, isn't it? Of course you would think he wants to be healed. But in that moment, as I read the text and as I reflected upon it and as I sought God's voice through it, I believe with all of my heart the Lord Jesus asked me the same question. Chris, do you want to be healed? Do you want to get well? Like seriously, or do you want to spend the rest of your life disabled? It's one of the words that's in the text. Unable to live in the way I've created you to live. Well, I thought about this, and my response was pretty quick. And it came from the core of who I am. It came from the real me. And I said, that's not what I want. And that phrase has stuck with me because from that day forward, I want to tell you, I have been empowered. This is mid-fall last year. I have been empowered by God to see food and sometimes be tempted by it. But the phrase... That's not what I want, comes to my mind. The Lord reminds me of it. And I have been able to say no. And I have lost a substantial amount of weight. I don't know whether the camera tells you that or not, but I have. And I want to tell you this. The reason that I have lost that weight, the reason I've been able to say no, is not because of my strength. Historically, I don't have that strength. Historically, in this way, I'm weak. It has been there. Because I have heard the voice of God speaking clearly to me. And that voice empowered me and it has brought healing. And it has, it has enabled me to resist temptation which has been very powerful to me in the past. And I want to tell you, my friends, it only happened through the word, through scripture, through the voice of the shepherd speaking into my mind by his spirit. And I want to tell you this. I don't know your temptation. I just know you've got them. But I want to tell you this. God wants to recreate you. He wants to speak into your life. He wants you to hear the voice and understand it's from him. And he want to, wants to exercise his power and his authority in your life to enable you to say no. To enable you to resist temptation. To enable you to be healed from your brokenness. So that you and I, ultimately, are transformed in, into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus himself. It's God's desire for you. Well, the fourth and last point I want to make to you about the reality of the power of the voice is this, that when we hear it, when we understand it to be the voice of the shepherd, we are empowered to impact lives for God. Let me read to you John chapter 15 great passage something really to uh, dwell on and and understand and enjoy but let me read to you john 15 verses 7 and 8 
You'll remember this is the text that Jesus describes as, uh, you know, if you will abide in me as I abide in you, and so forth. But this is the application here, verses 7 and 8. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You know, whether the word is abide or live in, Jesus says, if you live in me, make your home in me is the way the message version says it, as I've told you before. If, if you will abide in me, remain in me, live in me, and if my words remain in you, abide in you, live in you. <laughs> what Jesus is saying is that we will be able to make an impact for him. You know, as we abide in him, we live in that close, intimate relationship that we've spoken of. We live in that deep fellowship with God. We live in obedience to God. Um, God knowing that we're ready to receive and submit our lives to what he says. When we're living in that intimate relationship. And then when we allow the word of God to fill our lives so that it's alive in us. So that we hear it and know it. Jesus says that we can ask anything. And God will do it. You understand the incredible potential that exists in those words for us? He says, reflecting on the same reality, that we will bear much fruit. We will, we will be uh, in a position where we can do incredibly significant things through our prayers and otherwise for the sake of the kingdom of God. We will have eternal impact if we abide in Jesus and his word his powerful, authoritative word abides in us. I want to tell you this. Without this word, without us hearing, without us recognizing, without us having it within us, we won't have impact. And when you think about it, we're not going to be able to resist temptation, right? And so forth. You know, there are, if you would, some Christians who are strong in their faith, and there's some who aren't so strong, even weak. This is a critical reason why. We need to abide in the word of God. We need to know that voice. We need to be listening for it. We need to be seeking it and letting it live in us. You know, next week we're going to talk about how do you know when God speaks? How do you know? Uh, and I'm sure many of you at this point are saying, Chris, tell us how we know. How do we identify this voice? How do we know it's God's thought and not just our own thought? And, and we'll get to that because it obviously is very critical to this whole series unless you experience it and know it as God's voice. These things might not help. But let me say this to you as I conclude this morning. What I'm talking about here, what we are discussing together in, in this voice series, the voice, what we're actually talking about defines our life in Christ. It's that significant. It's that central to what it means to follow Jesus. You know, if, if we will live in the word, if we will, both through scripture written, the, the written word, and, and through the voice of God speaking into our lives by his spirit, I want to tell you, we will, we will be empowered and not weak. We will be made new as opposed to remaining the way that we used to be. We will be participating in the God story <laughs> as we pray. And as God restores this world, we will be part of that journey, making a difference with our lives. 
In the end, my friends, we need to learn to hear and know the voice, the voice of God. We need to learn to live in conversational relationship with God, like literally go to him in prayer and have it be a two-way conversation, not just one way. We need to come to that place where we dig into scripture and we prioritize prayer and we delve into this dynamic that I'm, being, I'm describing in this series. And in the end, hear God speaking clearly and directly to us because there, my friends, is the active God present to us and the creative power of God at work within us. I want to tell you, this is God's will for you. It really is. It's what he desires. Um, and it's the means, one of the means, into a deeper experience of God. I say again to you, is this what you long for? If it is, ask God to lead you into this. Give yourself to Scripture. Give yourself to prayer. And begin to listen for that still small voice. As you listen, you will discern. God will teach you. God will show you. And you will understand the power of God at work in your life. Let me pray for you. Gracious God, your, your word, the scripture is so clear in this. It's so easy to miss, but at the same time, it's so incredibly clear that you want to speak into our lives as you spoke into the lives of so many people in the Bible. And you want us to hear the voice of the shepherd. And more than that, you want us to recognize it as Christ's voice so that we can follow after you. And God, you want to empower us. You want to exercise your authority in us and through us so that significant change can come into our lives and into the life of this world. So Lord, I pray for these people listening today. I pray for every single one of them that you will begin by the work of your spirit to teach them in greater measure than they've ever known before what it means to hear the voice of God. Become that real to them, Lord, so that they know that when you speak in their minds, it's not their own thought that it's indeed your thought for them. So Lord, I pray that these people will not avoid scripture and they will not avoid prayer, but Lord, that they'll run toward it and they'll meet you there and they'll learn to hear and know your still, small voice. Father God, this we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.